All Northside family, it is good to be with you this morning. My name's Nate. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, and you welcome everybody watching online right now or in our video venue. I want to welcome them. And uh, man, I love where we're going today. And uh, man, what an unbelievable moment with Ben getting baptized. And we've had baptisms every service this weekend. And it, is just, it never gets old watching people begin to place their faith into him. And that's why we're doing this whole series called Rooted, so that our lives can be rooted in Christ uh, because God wants to build us up into him. And uh, this is the, the week eight. Next week, we'll wrap this up in week nine. Uh, but we started this series and we have a whole booklet. If you haven't joined in, I want to invite you to go pick one up out at the Welcome Center out there and the Resource Center. They'll get you connected. Uh, but what we do is this is a journey that we're on of how God is forming our life and how he's shaping us. And it started out asking a big question every week. You know, who is God and how does he speak to us and what is our purpose? You know, and where is God in our suffering? And today we're talking about this idea of why and how we share our faith. And already some of you are like, man, I knew I came to the wrong weekend, you know, because, man, a lot of times we get a little bit uncomfortable when we start talking about this idea that we have to share our faith. Because to show up here today, you go, man, I braved the winter storm, I braved snow, isn't that enough? And here's what you're going to find is this, the more you keep rooting your life in Christ, the more he's going to want to produce fruit in your life. He's going, that's why I want deep roots in me because what I have is I have plans to work through you and in you to help redeem and to restore this world. Now, some of people go, you know, Nate, it's probably easy for you to share your faith. You're, you know, you're like that extrovert social butterfly and you're a pastor, so it's your job, you know, to go share your faith. Can I just be honest with you for a moment? Even though I love to talk with people, a lot of times it's actually really hard for me to share my faith. And here's why. I hate disappointing people. And every time I'm on an airplane, it seems like I'm disappointing somebody. And here's why. I'm like, hey, man, where are you from? What do you do? We had this great conversation. It even happened this week. I had to travel for a meeting. And it happened. I was talking to this person in my row. And every time, this is what begins to happen. This question always comes up. We chat a little bit, this and this. And then here's the question. You could probably guess it. What do you do for a living? And I'm like, all right, well, here's where our friendship ends, you know, and uh, it's been great getting to know you and know your story and what you do, because this is what I find. Typically, one of two answers happen. Well, I'm a pastor, and they immediately say this, I am so sorry for how I've been talking, you know. They've been, they've been talking about Jesus, just not very pastoral, you know, and, uh, and so they either begin to apologize immediately, or this is the response I typically get. Oh, and there goes the wall. And I'm like, well, we'll talk to you later. This week I had a trip. I had to a, had a fly for a meeting, and I was flying down there, and I was working on my rooted sermon. I had, had my rooted book out, had my Bible out. There was a seat in between me and this lady, so I had both you know, tables to work on, and I'm working on the, the stuff, and I'm going through, and she didn't say any word. It was an early flight, so she's not talking, so I'm working on all this other stuff. And I'm like, man, made it through that flight. That was good. That was good. And then literally as I'm putting everything away, she says this, what's that book? I'm like, oh, man, you know, here we go. You know, God's not going to let me write a sermon on sharing my faith and not let me share my faith. And uh, I said, well, our church, I'm a pastor at our church. We, we're doing this rooted series right now, and I'm bracing for impact, bracing for impact. And this is what she tells me. She goes, that actually sounds pretty cool. What's the name of that again? I said, it's rooted. So you could, here's the website. You can find stuff out. You can do this and this. And that was the end of our conversation. 
I walked off the plane. I had to go. She walked another direction. And I just walked away with this feeling inside of me that God was going, Nate, why do you continue to be so afraid to talk about me? And, and I think it's real for us. I think a lot of times, I don't know what your fear is for me. It's this fear of letting people down. I don't like conflict. I don't want this stuff. It's not that I don't want people to know Jesus. Man, I just don't like people to be mad at me. And so I'm like, man, it'd be easier if you just wouldn't do that. And we're caught in this tension sometimes where we love God and we want the world to know God until you actually have to tell God about him. There was a verse that captured my attention and it really doesn't, it got rid of every excuse of why I can't, you know, give an excuse to God or why I can't share my faith. I had a mentor invest this into me about 10 years ago and it changed my paradigm. It's, it's in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. And listen to what it says. I'll never forget Dan Spader who put this into my life. And listen to what it says. It says, whoever claims to live in him, talking about Jesus, whoever claims to live in him, whoever claims to be a follower of him, must walk as Jesus did. Meaning this, it's not just enough for you and I to proclaim him, to say, I believe in you, I might even get baptized in you, but now John says you actually have to begin to walk and act and talk like Jesus. You know, one of the things I found that the world sometimes, why it hates Christianity so much, and the more I've been doing research, I found this out, that now a new poll came out and it said 45% of atheists actually believe it's like an extreme act of terrorism for a Christian to share their faith. And here's why. Because they think it's so damaging what we're presenting. That it's so damaging, that it's so wrong. And so now we're in this world where people think it's hostile what we're doing to, to share our faith. Matter of fact, this is a big argument that we'll hear in our culture and today, and I wrote it down, and you'll see this, and you'll hear this in different forms, and it'll go like this. No one has the right to tell others what to believe, so you shouldn't be trying to convert anyone. It's a very popular argument today. You don't have the right to tell people about your faith and try to convert them to your faith. You don't have the right. The only problem is this. With that argument, what gives you the right to tell me that I don't have the right? See, this is where it actually falls apart in our culture. I understand you don't like it, but you also don't have the right to say that I don't have the right. See, this is, why, this is why sharing our faith is so messy today and it's so needed today, but it's, it's becoming more and more difficult and there's deeper questions going on in our culture. And I want to let you know today, if you have questions here today, if you're not a believer, man, we are glad you're here. We welcome your questions. We don't think it's wrong to have questions. Matter of fact, Jesus was always being asked questions by different people. It's how we grow in our faith. And so if you don't have all the answers or you have questions today, that is okay. But I just want to say this. I think part of the problem why the world is so hostile to Christians Christians right now is simply this. They see a lot of people who claim Christ, who claim to be a Christian, but they don't walk as Jesus walked. They don't have the priorities of Christ. They don't have the character of Christ. They don't have the reflection of Christ. And this is including myself. I don't get to be exempt from this. And matter of fact, Jesus, as soon as he came back from the dead, when he went to the cross, he dies for the sins. God resurrects him. He conquers death and sin. And he gets all of his disciples together. And listen to what he says. I don't know if you've heard this verse before. First thing he says is he gets all of his disciples together and he tells them this in Acts chapter 1. He says, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit onto you. I'm going to give you my power. And then he says, and you will be my witnesses. 
and Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You are going to represent me in this world. Some of you go, I just thought all he wanted us to do was go to church. He goes, man, it is good that you are here, but you are called to be my witness, Jesus says. And we're going, whoa, man, this is what it looks like to walk and to talk like Jesus. And I want to encourage you this week in your rooted groups, in your life group, if you haven't picked up a book, man, pick one up today. And don't skip the pages this week. I know most of you, you do all five days right before group, all right? I already know, you know, I've been there, man. We're all guilty of that stuff. We're cramming. God, I'm rooted in you, but could you pour some miracle grow on me today, you know? And, and so I can get really rooted. But, but I want to encourage you, don't skip the days this week. It is going to help you tease out how to share your faith and why we believe so much. Uh, but this is what I want to do today. I just want to give us a 30,000 foot view from, from the life of Paul uh, of how he shared his faith and why he shared his faith. And it just goes simply this. I want to look at the motive of why we share our faith. I want to look at the mission that God has for you and I. And I want to give you uh, the message in which Jesus has given us. Because here's the deal. If we get that out of order, if we don't know the motive, if we've lost our motivation, think about it in your life. If you don't have a clear motivation, why do you go to work? Why do you love your family? Why do you have, if, you, if, if we don't have the right motive, we won't be on mission with Jesus and we won't proclaim the message of Jesus. So I just want to look at the motive real quick. Why and how do we share our faith? You, you see this happening. Paul begins to lay this whole thing out to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth, man, they didn't know who God was. They worshiped all sorts of gods. And yet Paul went in and he was a witness to God. And people begin to follow Jesus. And listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says this in verse 13. He tells them about his motivation. He says, if we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. He goes, I know the culture thinks we're crazy. Here we are in the snow as crazy Christians, man. We should be home with our milk, toast, and bread making French toast, you know, for weeks. It's all we do when it snows. And here we are, we're gathered. And he goes, here's the deal. He goes, if we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. People know that you're a Christian, even if they think you're out of your mind. For out of our minds, it's for the sake of God. But listen to what he says. If we are in our right mind, I love this. It is for you. Paul is saying this. As Christians, we are to be Christians for the world. We are to be for this world. And listen to what he says. Here's how we're to be for the world. He said, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. He's going, this is why we share Christ, because his love compels us. And he goes on to say this, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I just want to put it in the simplest turn. Here is our motivation for sharing our faith. It's simply this, Jesus loves us. And here's the deal, we'll never get over that. Matter of fact, you will never share your faith until you really begin to internalize and allow the fact that God loves you and sent his son to die for you. So the question for you and I today is this. It's not, will you go share your faith and you better go share your faith today? The question for you is this, will you let Jesus love you? See, that was the motivation for sharing Christ for Paul. He says this, for Christ's love compels 
us. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of people in this world we'd rather not love, isn't there? There might be a lot of people in your home you'd rather not love right now, you know? Let's be in church. Let's be honest before the Lord. You know, sometimes there's this thing where we go, I, yeah, I'd rather not love them. And Paul says, I know, this is why our motive needs to be Christ, because here's what happens. Christ's love begins to compel us. And when we get loved by God, one, it encourages us that God is for us, but it also does this, and Sam referenced it to it earlier today. It humbles us. It begins to humble us, and it changes our mindset, and it changes the way we live where it says this. We believe that Christ has loved us, and now we don't live for ourselves. We live for him. See, sharing our faith isn't, go share your faith and do better. No, 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 no. Sharing our faith always starts with, will you let Christ love you in the broken places of our life? Because listen what he says in verse 16. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. He's saying this, we no longer go around looking at the world, just judging the world. We're not acting like the world's not broken. But the first thing Christians ought to do is not judge the world. The first thing Christians ought to do is go love the world. And he says this, we don't regard anyone from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer, because therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, and the old is gone, and the new has come. Can I tell you my biggest failure about not sharing my faith? Man, the biggest failure of me not sharing my faith when God was calling me to share my faith came in my first year of doing student ministry. I was at a church in Illinois, and uh, there was a kid in the youth group, and, and here was my problem. Nick was his name, and uh, Nick's parents were loaded. And uh, he drove a brand-new Jeep Rubicon, nothing, nothing more mature than the student pastor being jealous of the students in their cars, right? Yeah, like, follow me as I'm jealous of your ride. But, you know, and uh, brand-new Jeep Rubicon, monster house, had a theater room in their house. And here is my problem. You know how I viewed Nick? This is how I viewed Nick. Well, if you're well off, you must be well off. Here's my problem. A lot of times I will look at the world and I will regard them in a worldly way. If you got a Jeep Rubicon, life is good, amen? You know, they're like, we'll see you in heck. You know. You realize? And here's my problem. Jeeps don't save people. And theater rooms don't save people. And big houses don't save people. That summer at camp, Nick broke down and God was getting a hold of his life. I walked up to him and said, what's going on, ma'am? He said, I have all these things and my life is empty. I said, well, I need to apologize because I've not been a good pastor to you. I believe because you had all these things, life was good. We do not regard the world from a worldly point of view any longer. Paul's saying our motivation as we look at the world is we don't go, do you have a bunch of stuff? Well, then you're fine. He says, man, we look at the world and we go, God is for you and nothing else can save you than Christ because Christ's love compels us. Is this your motivation? 
Is this your motivation even for you? Do you really believe that Christ loves you? A lot of times the reason why we don't share our faith is we just don't even believe that God loves us. And if we don't believe God loves us, why would I tell anybody else that God loves them if I don't even think God loves me? Matter of fact, for some of you here today, you think God's just embarrassed of you. See, when we live that way, we never share anything about Jesus. See, it's not starting with will you share your faith, it's will you allow the love of God to compel and to convince you of the goodness of God. Because here's what happens, it's motive and it leads into mission. Listen what the mission is. Paul begins to talk about this. He says all of this is from God. Everything is from God. God is our provider. God is the one who loves us. God is the one who sent Jesus to die, to redeem, to save. He says all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Reconciliation means this, that when two people come together, forgiveness is one thing. God has forgiven us through Christ, but he's waiting for us to accept this. He's waiting for us to respond to his forgiveness because then reconciliation can begin to happen in our life. And he's reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then he says this, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Did you realize that when you became a Christian, you were commissioned? God goes, I don't want you just to become a Christian. I am commissioning you to go into the world to bring reconciliation into the world through Jesus. I have a bigger plan for you than you have for yourself. Matter of fact, it was such a beautiful moment last night after I preached. You know, I'm talking about this stuff, and I used to coach basketball at Silver Creek for the freshman team, and I loved it, and I could only do it, and then I got, my schedule got too busy, and I couldn't do it. And last night, I got done preaching. I walked down over here, and there stood one of my former players. First time to Northside. I said, how did you get here? He goes, well, so-and-so invited me. And then I went, oh, boy, what's he going to say? Like, that sermon was not good. You know, I'm like, you know, what, what, what's he going to say? And he just looked at me. He goes, I'll be back, man. I'll be back. And I sat there, and I went, oh, my. Oh, my. Do you realize that God wants to reconcile the world through your work? Do you realize that God wants to reconcile your neighborhood through your home? Do you realize that God wants to reconcile the world through the AAU team that you coach? Do you realize that through your hobbies and your passion, God is saying, I want to reconcile all things. This is the mission, that God is reconciling the world through Christ. That God is saying, I am bringing all things back together. We are joining him. He has this global plan. He is wanting to redeem all things. And here's what you need to understand. You might need to write this down to remember it, that we are God's plan A. And guess what? There is no plan B. God, would you bring them in? Nope. You're it. But but I don't know how, and I don't know oh, all these other things, and we make up all this stuff. Listen what it says, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, and so we are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God.
I've started studying how the church is growing in Europe because what we're seeing in America is all the trends of what's going on in Europe. And so what's going on there is coming here slowly. We're following suit. And what's happening over there is the church went through a period of being dead and they've had to reinvent themselves of how they're going to reach people. And over there, so many people become so disenfranchised with the church. Maybe you have been there before. You've got friends where you go, hey, why don't you come to church with me? And they'll say stuff like this. I don't believe in organized religion. I don't believe in that stuff. And most people will come to church with you if you invite them. But some people, man, there's so much animosity. And so in Europe, they're finding the churches having to find different ways to reach people. And you know how they're reaching people in the most effective ways? I found this fascinating. Inviting people into their homes. And hospitality is winning the day in a hate-filled world. There's a little bit of hate in our country right now, isn't there? Just a little bit. And what God is saying is this, will we slow down and make room to reach out and to love people? My life group that I'm in right now, I love it, man. We are all in process. Jesus is growing us and challenging us. But my life group, some of the core members of my life group, it's actually uh, started several years ago uh, on the golf course at Covered Bridge. And I was there on a Thursday night men's league for just nine holes. I was playing with a couple buddies, and somebody walked up to me in the clubhouse. We'd sat down to eat, and he said, hey, you're one of those pastors at Northside, aren't you? And I went, here we go, going to lose another friend. All right, you know, and I can't even just go play golf, you know, and, and hang out. And he goes, hey, I've been coming. I've been coming. He goes, uh, I got some questions, though. He goes, you think we could get together and talk? I said, absolutely. His name's Matt. Turned out he used to be a high school golf coach. He said, maybe we go play golf. Again. You know, I said, hey. I said, how about this? I'll answer your questions about God. You give me golf lessons. And uh, this is the kingdom of God, guys. This is the goodness of God that he works in this way. He's wanting to redeem and reconcile all things except my golf game. Matt is going this way spiritually. I'm going this way. You know, am I get, and it's so cool. We play golf and we chat and we talk and all this other stuff. And then I did this Bible study with some area coaches. I said, Matt, would you come to my house, man? Would you be a part of my Bible? He said, absolutely. And he came in and we set my home. We start studying the scripture. And that next week he goes, can, can I invite my friend Jay? I said, ah, dude, sure, man, invite him. He goes, here's the thing. He doesn't go to church. I said, that's all right, bring him. He goes, here's the other thing. He doesn't like Northside. <laughs> all right, you know. Jay is now in my life group. And Jay, when I'm out of town, leads the life group for me. And it was because Matt was willing to invite someone into a home. You're God's plan A. And there is no plan B. See, God is reconciling the world. Matter of fact, we look at the life of Paul and we read this story and we go, yeah, that's Paul. Of course, he's the apostle Paul. You know, he wrote half the New Testament. Oh, that's Paul. You know, that, that's him. I'm me. That's Paul. Can I just tell you where Paul started for a second? If you have your Bible, turn over to Acts chapter 9 or just write it down. You'll, you can read this. Acts chapter 9 is a powerful chapter about where Paul started. Matter of fact, Paul was a Pharisee who hated Jesus, hated the church, wanted to actually kill Christians. 
That, a matter of fact, that's how Acts chapter 9 verse 1 opens up. It says this, because Paul used to be called Saul, and it said, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. This was Paul's life. Paul's life was to destroy the church. He wanted to kill Christians, and he thought he was honoring God by it. And on the way to do it, Jesus gets a hold of him, literally knocks him off his horse, and he blinds him. And he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I am for you. I have better plans for you than this. And he blinds him. And then he tells this man, Ananias, who's a Christian, to go help Saul get on the right track. Listen to what it says. This is what God goes to Ananias and says, Ananias, go. There's a man there that I have given for you to help. And listen to what he says. He says, yes, Lord. And this is what the Lord told him. So the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. From day one, God is always saying it is the church that is going to reconcile this world, not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is. Go there and place your hands on him. And I love Ananias' answer. This is the answer you and I give. Uh, Lord? Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Have you gotten that memo? Lord, do you know about this J guy who doesn't like Northside? And you want him in this Bible study? And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias is freaking out just like you and I do when God calls us to share our faith. See, this isn't just a you and I thing. This is an everybody thing. We get nervous. Oh, Lord? Look at this phrase, but the Lord, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name, not suffer for what he's done, but he knows this, when we begin to step out and we share our faith, there is suffering that comes along with us, but it is always worth it. Scripture goes on to say that Ananias went in and he placed his hands on Saul and he was filled with the Spirit and he restored his sight. And then this is what's so cool. It was Ananias who got to baptize Saul. And you know what's unique about this? You never hear of Ananias again. God is saying, I have a role for you to play and the role I have for you to play, you may not be the, the hero of the story, but are you willing to play your role in my story? See, that's the freedom that God's having. We don't need to be the hero of everything that's going on in our life. We're just going, God, I'm here to be a role player. Whatever role you want me to play, however you want me to encourage. And then listen what happens. Paul starts preaching. People are freaked out because they're like, you were supposed to come here and kill us. Now you're supporting Jesus. Matter of fact, listen what it says in verse 26. It says, when Saul, when he came to J Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. He tried to come into the church, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. You ever walked into church here and you go, what are they doing here? And those people are thinking the same thing about you. They go to church? 
good for them, they need it, you know, and <laughs> that's what we do. I, I can't believe they're here. Unbelievable. People are not believing he was a real disciple, and I love this phrase. Here it is again. But Barnabas took him, put his arm around him, and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. It was Ananias who was sent by God to help restore Paul's sight and to baptize him. And then it was Barnabas that put his arm around him and he said, you're in my life group, man. You're in my group. I know everybody else is freaked out. I'm not freaked out by you. I'm reading this on the plane and those two phrases, but the Lord and but Barnabas just kept staking, you know, sticking out to me. And I'm on the plane and I wrote it down and I went, this can't be a good point, but this was what was on my heart. I said, oh God, make us a big butt church. You know, and, and then I was like, that won't work. You know, it was like, but it hit me. You want to know how to share your faith? That's the phrase you need to know. Here's who I was. I was an addict. I was this. I was this. I chased money. I thought life was this. I thought this, 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 and this. But the Lord. But the Lord. But the Lord changed my life. That's how you share your testimony. That's how you share your faith. Here's who I was, but the Lord, and because of him now, I'm a new creation. And the old is gone, and the new is here. And do you realize right now that the best leaders in Northside used to be full of addictions? And do you realize, this is what the Lord convicted me of this week as I was planning and praying over this, do you realize that some of the best leaders that Northside will have in the future, I'm talking the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, do you realize that some of the best leaders that Northside have, you know where they are right now? They're hungover. And they're not here. And God is saying, will you be Ananias? And will you be Barnabas? Because you are plan A, and there is no plan B. Do you know your motive? Do you know your mission? Because here's the message. The message is simply this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul summarized it with this. In one verse, he said, here's the message that we give the world. This is the message. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, perfect, blameless, to be sin, you ready? And I love this phrase, just two words. For us. Do you know God is for you? And that he sent Jesus to be for us. That's what the cross is all about. The cross is for us. And he goes on to say this, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God, that we might be in right standing with God because of what he has done for us. I got to ask you right now today, is that the message that you believe? 
that Jesus is for you, that the cross is here to set us free, that we know the guilt and we know the shame. And he goes, yeah, I know, but I'm here to take it away. But the Lord said, I'm here to make you clean, that the new creation is here, that the old is gone and the new has come. Is that your message? Is this who you are? And I just want you to imagine for a second, just think with me for a second. What would your life look like today, right now? What would your life look like if you really believed that Jesus was for you? How would you begin to think about yourself differently? For some of you right now, you think you're just an embarrassment to God. You're here at church out of guilt. You're trying to make it up to God. You're going, God, I'm gonna, it's the new year. I'm going to try and get back on track, and I'm going to go for six months, and that'll pay for that sin and that sin and these sins and this and that. And you're like, boy, I'm going to have to go to church for the next 200 years. Okay, you know, and you're like, that's a lot. Can we do uh, a Nash Wednesday worship service every night of the week for the next couple of years, you know, and that'll make up. And you're just here out of guilt. What would it look like for you to be here out of love? That Christ is for you. And I just want you to imagine for a moment, what would it look like for you to look at the world, to look at your work, to look at your boss, to look at your family, to look at your friends, and to really believe that God is for them. See, too, oftentimes, here's the problem with Christians. We've become way too known for what we're against than what we're for. that he became sin for us. And what would your life look like if God said, I want to work through you to reach and redeem this world? Then start with, will you share your faith? It starts with the idea, will you be loved? You know why I don't share my faith and I struggle to do it? I mean, I share my faith once in a while, man, you know why I struggle? Here's why. The deep down thing, this is what I really began to fear. God revealed it to me this week. It's because I need to trust him with the results. My deeper fear is this, things that keep me from sharing my faith. Well, if I do, they're probably not going to be my friend anymore. And I like having friends. Friends are good. And Jesus says, yeah, Nate, but will you trust me more than your fears? Will will you trust the fact that, Nate, I love you and I want to work through you and you might just play a bit role in this person's life and that person's life and all this other stuff and you might coach high school basketball and you may never see fruit till years later, but will you play the role that I have for you? Will you trust me with the results? Man, if you would, would you bow your head with me? I just want us to begin to pray on this. I want us to begin to stir on this. I know for some of you today, man, your head's spinning. You're going, man, I thought all it was to be a Christian was just to show up at church. And man, it is good that you're here. It is good that we gather. It is good that we worship. It is good that we celebrate Jesus. It is good that we listen to his word. But Jesus also says this. You will be my witnesses. We saw it today. 
young man named Ben from Tennessee walked into southern Indiana. And he ran into this phrase, but the Lord. The world is walking around as depressed, empty, well off, but not really well off. And God is saying, I am here to redeem the world. Will you join me, Northside? Will you be my church? Will you step in even when it's scary? Get your hands dirty. Begin to invest in those around you and to love and to trust him with the results. Would you begin to see the fact that the church is God's way of reaching and loving this world? That he who had no sin became sin for us and changed the world. Jesus, right now, we lift our minds and our hearts to you. Father, we pray by the power of your spirit, would you begin to change us from the inside out? Lord, for the ways that are not right, would you begin a work in us and changing our mindset? Father, I pray for courage for us this week. We know the fears that we have. We know why we don't share our faith. Jesus, would you become greater than our fears this week? Will we allow you to do a work in us? And we would step back and we would just say, wow, God, thank you for letting us be a part of your plan to redeem all of humanity. God, we thank you for having a heart for this world that's even bigger than our own. And in this moment, God, we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, and we say we are here to serve you. So have your way. So Jesus, this week, may you get glory through our lives, through our conversations, in our work, in our homes, in our hobbies, in our thoughts. Jesus, we're yours, and we're here for you. And it's in your name that we all said together, amen. God bless you, Northside. Let's join him this week.